Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is December the 5th, and our chapter for today is the powerful chapter of James chapter 2. Now, if you've read the commentary, I have dealt with the early verses of chapter 2 about showing partiality and about especially showing partiality to the rich. But because I can only cover so many minutes on a podcast, not because I couldn't go more, but you can't stand it. Honestly, I understand. One of the most dreaded things I have to do is listen to my own voice as I proof these podcasts and listen to them once they're produced to make sure that I'm on track to have to listen to myself or watch myself on TV or in video is agonizing. And so, therefore, I have mercy on you and don't go any longer than what I do. Now, to more important things. The book of James, chapter 2. There seems to be a contradiction between the writings of the Apostle Paul. Seems to be a contradiction. There's not. And what Paul said and what James said. And what I want to do is help you to see that they're talking about two different things that complement each other, not contradict each other. In verse 14, James says, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith, that is, that kind of faith, save him? The answer is no. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one says to them, Depart in peace, be warned and be filled, but do not give them the things that are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it is not without works, is just dead. In other words, the Bible talks about those who believe with intellectual assent, That is, they just have something that they say, but their words do not match up. James doesn't let that pass. By the way, neither does Paul. These two come at two passages dealing with Abraham's life in order to prove two different points, again, that are not contradictory, but complementary. Because James is looking at those who say they have faith, that they already are followers of God, but their lives don't show it. He says that is not reality because, you see, we can't say that we love God and not act like it and it change our lives. We cannot act like we did before we were saved. That's contradictory to the fact and the reality of faith because once the Lord of heaven comes to live in our heart by his Holy Spirit and we've turned from our sins, we've placed our trust in him, he changes us forever. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't sin, but it does mean that our lives lives are changed. You can't say you know God and continue to live like you always have. Then that's proof positive. You have never come to know him because God changes lives. And verse 18, he goes on to say, but someone will say you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe there's one God. In other words, you have knowledge that there's a God, even believing that Jesus died to save the world or even died to save you. That doesn't make you saved. Knowing about something does not save you. 
but acting upon something does. He says, if you believe there's one God, you do well. The demons also believe and they tremble. That is, they go into trauma because they know who God is. But because they did not obey him and chose to rebel against him, then that's how they became evil angels. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? And then he gives an example of Abraham's life. When he offered Isaac his son on the altar, do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made complete. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. In other words, it came to its end, and that is his life was changed. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. And then he goes on to talk about Rahab the harlot, who also was justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way. In other words, she realized that she was accountable to God and she did something that proved that indeed she trusted God more than she trusted what was around her. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. Now I want to deal with Paul and James and their seeming contradiction. Now, in order to do that, I'm going to ask you to look at two different passages, not only in the New Testament in Romans chapter 4 and James chapter 2, but also in Genesis chapter 15 and Genesis chapter 22. Now, the apostle Paul in Romans chapter 4 made it very clear. He said, what then? This is Romans 4. This is the apostle Paul. Let's do away with this contradiction altogether. Let's do away with any talk of contradiction altogether, because these passages are complementary. What then shall we say that Abraham our father was found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, that is, made right with God, declared to be righteous with God, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him, it was put on his account to him for righteousness. Not to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. And so what he is saying is that Abraham trusted God's word and what God said more than he did his own experience, his own age, what had happened to him in the past. And he trusted God that God would do what God said he would do. Now, where is that found? That is found in Genesis chapter 15. Now, this is very important. I don't want to seem trite here, but Genesis 15 comes before Genesis 22. And the instance where God dealt with Abraham in chapter 15 is when Abraham heard God say that he was going to give him an heir out of his body that was dead and from his wife, Sarah, who was 90 years old, who had gone through menopause. Her womb had long since been dead, but God was going to perform a miracle and do what he promised he would do to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 when he first called him from Ur in Mesopotamia over to the promised land. 
And so when you come to Genesis 15, it says that God said these things and Abraham believed the Lord, believed, noticed the personal name of God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, this is what Paul is talking about in Romans 4. He says that Abraham didn't do anything that was worthy to be righteous before God. He didn't do any great work that would cause him to be righteous before God. But yet God put on Abraham's account righteous because Abraham trusted God's word and God's provision. And God said, because you trusted me, I'm going to put righteousness on your account. Now, that was before anything happened. That was before God performed the miracle and created Isaac miraculously in the womb of Sarah, Abram's wife. It was before any of that happened. Abraham trusted God and God saw his heart. Now that's in Genesis chapter 15 and you can read about it. That's when the great blood ditch ritual was performed and the blood covenant was made. Now what James is talking about is not in chapter 15, it's in chapter 22. And God tested Abraham's faith. You say, well, why did God do that? Because he can. He is God. He knows the end from the beginning, and he wanted to test Abraham to bring out the good in him, to let Abraham know that indeed his devotion and his trust was going to be rewarded. And so you know the story of Isaac, his beloved son, his only son from his wife. He was the son of promise. He was the one that was going to be the heir. He was the child of Abram's old age that was going to be the instrument of Messiah, of one day kingship, all of those things that Abraham couldn't get a handle on, but he trusted that God would do what he said. And so God said, I want you to take your son to the land of Moriah, and there I am going to ask you to do something, and I want you to follow through on what I say. And so you know the story, how that Abraham and his son Isaac and his servants made their way from the south land all the way to Mount Moriah, where Jerusalem is today, where later Solomon would build the temple and then the second temple would be built. It is where the third temple will be built. It is on Mount Moriah today, the land, the place the piece of real estate where the Bible says God will show himself. He will manifest himself. That is what Moriah means, Moriah. And so when you come to chapter 22 and verse 13, then Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. There behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of in the place of as a substitute for his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. That's what the English says. The Hebrew actually says, the Lord sees. And because God sees, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. 
the reason the provision was there is because God sees. And as a matter of fact, the King James Version is the only one that really translates this as the Hebrew text says. But I want you to go past that because you can go back and listen to the podcast and see in Genesis 22 what I said about that. But I want to go quickly to verse 15. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven. And here's where James picks up and says just what God does. And said, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because, listen to this, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your only son. Blessing, I will bless you and multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven, as the sand which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Look as to what God says. Next phrase, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they rose and went together to Beersheba, where Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. That's where they'd come from. Now, what I want you to see is that this is what James picks up on. James is not talking about what God put on the record books as righteousness. No, no, no. That was done in chapter 15, just like the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 4. Here he says... You have proved to me that what covenant we made was real and that you trusted me then and you're trusting me now by putting everything on the line. And because of what you have done, now I am going to confirm that blessing in your life. Now, this is not faith plus works. This is not Jesus plus something else. This is nothing like that. A man is not saved by his works. A man is not saved by his own righteousness or anything he can accomplish. He's saved just like Abraham was in chapter 15. But if indeed you are saved, then it is going to be unto good works. We have already looked at Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so salvation is sealed by the grace of God through faith. It's a gift of God, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. But the paragraph doesn't end until chapter 2 and verse 10. For we are his workmanship created for this purpose, for good works that God has before ordained that those who are saved will do these kinds of works. This is what Genesis 22 proves and James is talking about. You can talk about being righteous. You can talk about being declared righteous. You can know all of the different aspects of justification. You can know all of that, but it has to be put to the test. In other words, you have to really, truly trust God. How do you know and how do I know that I have trusted God because God has changed my life? I know that and you know that. And that comes out when you are saved by the way that we live through our works. That is the complementary aspects of Genesis 15 and Genesis 22. Romans chapter 4 and James chapter 2. For On the Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. 
Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.